0: Alright, good morning everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Bible Church. Glad that you're here worshiping with us. Glad to see um, lots and lots of new faces. Uh, really, really excited that you are here. Uh, as Cody also said earlier this morning, um, I hope that uh, you can find Ridgeview to be to be your home church while you're here at college. We'd love to, to uh, have you be part of the family and, and, and be connected. And uh, There's lots of people here who would love to love on you and give you uh, fridges to eat out of and uh, washers and dryers to do your clothes in and all that good stuff so I uh, would love to, to get you connected in, in, in those ways And so, um, my name is Bert Newman I'm a student pastor here and so I also want to invite uh, you guys to revive on, on Thursday night at 7.30 in the student center I'd love to have you join us uh, for that community. Great way to get plugged in. And we also do Bible studies along with that and other kind of um, fun fellowship events and things like that. So I'd love to get you plugged in. Uh, I am uh, preaching today, and we've got some other guys preaching the next couple weeks. Um as, as uh, you might have gathered from Cody, we're kind of in a transition period, and so we'll have a, a vote on that uh, after church this morning. But uh, I've been uh, doing just kind of a short two-week series in the book of Luke. So I'm in Luke 10 this morning. If you want to turn to Luke 10, uh, verses 38 through 42. Um, last week I did Luke 8 and kind of talked about this overall concept of missing out. Uh, and, uh, last week we talked about this idea of, of, of missing out. One way that we miss out on Christ, that we, that we miss out in the, the good news of the gospel is to having, uh, the wrong idea of who, of who Christ is. And, uh, today we're going to kind of find another way that we can miss out. So let me read Luke 10, 38 through 42. Mary has chosen the good portion portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray again. Father God, we need your help this morning uh, to, to understand the scriptures, to know the word. Father, we live a life with many things. We live in, in many ways a, a distracting world, a distracting generation, Father. Um, and we miss out on what is necessary. We miss out on the good portion, Father. And I ask that this morning we can see um, from this passage, we can see um, from this, this, this true story of, of dear Martha, um, Lord, that we can, we, can, we can see how to enjoy the good portion, which, which is Christ's word. Uh, Father, help us to see it this morning. Help me to teach this. Help me to um, portray this. And may our hearts and our minds be open, Father. And we we praise things to your name. Amen. All right, so something that uh, may surprise you about myself is uh, I'm not really what you might call a great athlete. Um, not super athletic. Uh, never really have been. Never will be. And my children are going to be the same. Um, but there's one thing I've always been really, really good at, and it doesn't really matter what the game is. Um, I'm really, really good. And I think, this is, I think this is part of athleticism. I think this is part of sports. I'm really good at distraction. I'm really good. Say you're playing dodgeball. That's kind of my, my main field um, is, uh, is dodgeball. And uh, there's the really good guys. We'll say Jim, right? Jim, he's just really good. He can throw those things like a rocket, right? Well, I might not be able to hit Jim with a ball, but I can say, Hey Jim and he looks at me and then Steve who's really got throwing the ball hits him in the face because you can um, hit guys in the head because it's not kindergarten. Um, <laughs> and he's and he's out, right? And you win and you win because of distraction, right? Because that person was distracted. And actually, um, distraction right is a is a uh, really a tactic not just for games of lessons, when we we see if you have done any studying in history of, of of warfare. Um, distraction is something used highly in warfare, where you make it look like a force is here, that so, so that the main force is here, but another flanking force is coming around. Distraction um, is a great way to win a battle. And distraction is also a great way to, to lose our focus on christ it 's a great way to step away um, from from our relationship with him, from our intimacy with him, and I think that 's very much what this passage is getting here i think it 's very important, uh, even if you look at there 's a, a book by c s. Lewis called Screw tape letters and in the, in this book uh, there 's a older an older demon talking to a younger demon and the younger demon's trying to get kind of his new he's he's assigned a human and he's trying to get this human first to, to not become a Christian but then when he becomes a Christian to keep him kind of away from the faith and all these things and um, he's writing these letters to to his to his uncle screw tape to get advice and he has this really bad news that, that he tells his uncle he's got really bad news He's a Christian now. He believes. He trusts in Jesus as the Savior. He believes in the gospel. And, and he's a Christian. And, and, and not only that, but he's he's uh, he's 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 started to go to church. Um, which is which is which is a really really bad thing. And and screw tape, the uncle, the older demon, says back, he's like, Well, not not necessarily. Not necessarily. Going to church might not be the end of it. Because when he goes to church, here's what you need to do be really easy just point out that the guy next to him has a really funny-looking nose. You know, or, uh, or that that lady behind him sings really, really loud. If you can get him focused on those things, then he won't even pay attention to the word being spoken. He won't, he won't hear the word of God being preached, and he will be distracted. You don't, you don't necessarily need to, to win him to Satan, but if you can just get him distracted, then we win. Then we win the game. And that is, I believe, the reason that Luke, this author here, has, has, has written this story and why Jesus teaches what he teaches when he talks to Martha here. So let's, let's jump in. Let's jump into this, these, these short five verses and see what we can gather, see how we can um, fight that concept of, of, of distraction. So uh, let's kind of get the setting here. So in this, in this story, Jesus is, has been traveling. He's been traveling. Usually, as many people, he's probably with his disciples, maybe a few others. And it says he travels into a town. It's most likely Bethany. Uh, These people here um, are Martha and Mary of Bethany. So, it's probably where they're at, is in the town of Bethany. And they come into this town and into this house, and we meet Mary and Martha. Now, you've probably heard those names before. There's lots of Marys in the New Testament. This is, again, Mary of Bethany. some, some things I think are really important to know about these women. Women. One is that Jesus loves these women. Um, he uh, cares for them very, very much. Uh, John eleven five says that. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, who, who was their brother. So this, this family, this was a family who served Jesus, um, who followed him, who were really faithful to him. And uh, Jesus loved them very, very much. Uh, also something to consider, I don't know if it matters that much, but Mary was probably the younger sister probably, because it says Martha did the hosting. So it's most likely that Mary was younger than her. Um, Something about Mary. So both Martha and Mary are mentioned three times in Scripture. Uh, One is here. It's all all at the same time. So one is here in this story. Another time is when Mary actually anoints Jesus' feet with oil. similar to last week's story, but Mary uh, did it. And uh, in that story, Mary is doing that, and Martha is serving food. Um, So we kind of get this concept that that's kind of Martha's thing, right? Martha is is a server. Um, And then the other story is the raising of Lazarus. So Lazarus um, was their brother, and they they cared very much um, for Lazarus. And when Jesus came, it says that Mary ran out to Jesus. Mary ran out to Jesus as she was, she was doing things, but she she left everyone else and ran to jesus and so we see this theme of Mary where she draws. Near to Jesus. And we see in that story with Martha that Martha comes to Jesus and she says many, many things. Um, she says that, man, Jesus, if you were here earlier, Lazarus might not have died. But she also sings of great faith, um, of saying that, that she believes, she trusts Jesus, she knows the power that he has um, for resurrection. She believes that he is the Christ. And so I say that to say, when we read this story that we're studying now, I think we have this really big tendency to give Martha a bad rap, right? Because this one time she was really um, distracted and, and bothered and having a hard time, we give, we give we give a rough time. But but I think something that's helpful to realize is Martha is, is Martha's very much like all of us, right? I think she's, she's a she is a, a faithful believer who um, is struggling with sin and struggles and struggles with the, the anxiety of life. And I think as we get in, we'll we'll see that a little bit better. And that hopefully that'll make this make this helpful as we go. Um, something when we're studying this and look at so maybe, maybe zoom out on this passage a little bit as we're studying. I want to kind of give you maybe a way to kind of help you think about it. Um, when we're looking at studying Scripture, something that you'll see a lot is contrasts. And in this, in this passage, you'll see that this passage is actually three contrasts. Um, three contrasts comparing Mary and Martha. right? And, and you'll notice that it's actually um, that word but, B-U-T, um, is at the beginning of verse 40, verse 41, and 42. And those actually mark the three contrasts. So I think the best way to study this passage is to go through the three. And so the first one um, is Mary's actions versus Martha's actions. The second one is Martha's perspective versus Jesus' perspective. And the third is Martha's choice versus Mary's choice. And so that's what we're going to go through this morning as we look at that. And so first, let's look at this. Let's, let's, let's Compare their actions, because again, I think that's very much what Luke is trying to do. Luke's desire here is to give the disciple, the one who follows Christ, ways of how, of how we do that. And we see that because Luke didn't really write chronologically. He didn't necessarily so much write in order of things happening in time. He seems to kind of write in um, with certain purposes of, of certain passages in certain order. And you'll notice the passage before this was the teaching of the Good Samaritan. And so in that we see that believers are called to love their neighbor as their self and that their neighbor may not be who they think it is, right? We know that story of the Good Samaritan and how to serve others that maybe we think we don't think of as our neighbor, that we don't naturally love well, that we maybe even say as our enemies that we're to love them. And now he is moving on to um, something else uh, along, along that. We're going to dig into that as we keep going here. So let's look at that. Let's look at their actions. What was Mary's action? It says it right away. What did, what did Mary do? It says that Mary, she sat at the Lord's feet and she listened to his teaching. She sat and she listened. That's what Mary did. Mary's, the first thing Mary does, Jesus comes in, he's teaching, Mary sits, she sits at his feet and she listens that's, that's her action. And something I think is worth pointing out, and maybe you have this question of, is that normal? Was that normal in that time for a woman to do that to like a rabbi or to a teacher? And the answer is no, it's not. It is not normal. Uh, that is, that is not, would it not have been the normal thing, but we see here that Jesus very much is for it. He later is is, is for, and and, and that is something that we regularly see in Jesus. We talked about this last week, something that bothered the Pharisees about Jesus, that he would let anyone come to him. He would let sinners, he would let tax collectors, even in this case, he would let women come to him. But he wanted that to be very clear that that was the right thing, that Jesus was, was... he, he wanted to teach everyone. He wanted everyone to know about him. And, and we know that Mary always felt like she could do that. Because in, in all the stories of Mary, she comes to Jesus. She runs to Jesus at Lazarus' death. She comes to his feet and washes his feet um, when she comes to his house. She's here learning at his feet, listening at his feet. That's, that Mary always felt like she could do that. And I think that's because she saw Jesus rightly. Um, that she could do that. And I I hope we can even see and take from that as well. So that's her actions. Mary's actions, she sits and she listens to Jesus. And then we see that in verse 40, that first but, this is the first contrast. But Martha, what was her actions? Now you might say that Martha's actions were that she was serving, which is true. She was serving, but Luke's is not pointing that. Luke is saying, but Martha was distracted. That's what she was. Sometimes when we, when we read the story, I think we think of this as like, you know, studying the Bible versus um, working with our hands or serving. That's not really the story here. The story here is being focused on Jesus versus being distracted from Jesus. That's, that's what this story is about, and we see that in, Mar- in, in what Luke is saying about Martha. Martha was distracted. Now, she was distracted with serving, and I'll point out here that she was distracted with much serving. Luke goes out and says, much serving. So I think this is a concept that she's doing a lot, a lot of serving. Um, and, and she probably was. She was probably feeding well over a dozen people. And uh, I'm sure it was, it, was, it was really hard, but she was distracted with much serving. So that's our contrast first that Luke is pointing out. Jesus comes into the house. Jesus is in the house. One sister sits and listens. The other is distracted. All right, second contrast. Contrast number two is Martha's perspective versus Jesus' perspective. Now, we get to see these by their actual words, which is really awesome. We actually get to hear what they say. And Martha says this. She says, excuse me, she says, Lord, listen to this. I want you to listen to what is actually on Martha's heart here. Lord, do do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. There's a lot in in that little bit, isn't there? Lord, do not do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Let's 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 pull from this kind of what's what's on Martha's heart. What is what is she thinking? What is her understanding of the situation? Now, I want something as first to understand the reason she sees the situation that she sees is because she's distracted. She's asking the question because she's distracted, but she also sees it the way she does because she's distracted from seeing Jesus for who he is and, and seeing the purpose of him being there. But let's, let's break this down. So what's, what is she feeling? What is she thinking? What is on her heart? And the first thing we see here is that she believes that Jesus does not care, right? She believes that Jesus does not care about her, right? We see that in, in that first thing she says. I think it's a rhetorical question. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Do you not care? Jesus, do you not care? I am working very hard. I'm serving a meal for all of you. Do you not, do you not care? Do you not care? So her first thing that she, that she believes is that Jesus does not care about her. The second is that she sees herself as alone, which is probably true. Mary's not helping her. It's possible there's other servants in the house, but she sees herself as alone, as alone. And we'll we'll come back back to that. I think that's I think that's 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 really important. And then the third thing, the third thing that she that she sees that she um, wants Jesus to know, and this is her solution. She believes that the solution to the problem is for Jesus to tell Mary to help her. Right? This would this would actually fix fix all of her problems. Right? Because one, if Jesus told her that, then Jesus would know that he cared about her. Because something to think about, notice it just says, it says that Martha goes to Jesus. So there's no reason to think that they're off in another room or whatever. It seems to me that Mary is at Jesus' feet and Martha comes right up to him and says, tell her to help me. And it kind of makes this ultimatum of choosing, right? Like Jesus, tell her to help me. And if you do, then I'll know you do care about me. And if you don't, then I'm right and you don't care about me, right? It's, we almost see this, this, this ultimatum here that she is making. And along with that, if he tells Mary, okay, yep, Mary, go and help, then she won't be alone anymore. So it also fixes that problem as well. And so something I, I want us to see here when we look at her perspective, she, she believes... Martha believes she's alone. She believes she's uncared for and unnoticed by Jesus. And she also believes that both Jesus and Mary are wrong. She believes that they're both wrong. And I think it's valuable to do that. And I think it's helpful to think that is where distraction has led her. Distraction has led her to believe that Mary is wrong by sitting at the feet and listening to Jesus. And she's let it lead her to believe that Jesus himself is wrong The one who she has called the Christ and believes very strongly in um, has called him wrong. So it's led her for, to a very, a very hard place. And, and, and thankfully, Jesus has a wonderful response to Martha. And, and I guess one more thing I, I will say. Um, just like in the story of Lazarus, Martha, Martha goes to Jesus and learns a lot from him. It's really good. The best thing that Martha could have done in this situation is go to Jesus whether she said the right things or had the right heart or whatever, but she, she went to Jesus, and she did talk to him and ask him. I think that that's valuable. And Jesus gives a wonderful response, and it very much correlates with what she's thinking and what she says. The first is the very first thing he says, and that's Martha, Martha. And, and I don't know uh, what you guys think of, of, of him saying it twice, but we see in, in, in Greek and in, in this language that that double is meant to kind of add emotion. It's meant to add feeling. It's meant to add care and compassion. Um, to the moment, and it, and it shows that Jesus does care very much about Martha, Martha, Martha. He cares very, very much for her. He cares about her, and as it said in John eleven five, he loved Martha and he loved Mary. He they, they, he, he he truly loved her and cared for her. Another sign that Jesus loves her and cares for her is the fact that he's telling her the truth, right? Of course, Jesus knows nothing but to tell the truth, but telling the truth is the most loving thing you can do, right? And so in telling her the truth, he's showing her, and again, in front of these people, how much that he cares about her. The second thing that Jesus sees, Jesus' perspective of the situation, is not merely that Martha is alone. Notice what he says. He says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus sees her heart? That Jesus can, can, can look deeper and say Look, Martha, I know how you're seeing the situation, and you're blaming Mary, and you're even blaming me, but really in your heart there's, there's anxiousness, there's anxiety, um, there's trouble, it's, it's, it's troubled. Um, there's fear, there's worry about many things, and these many things are causing you to feel this way. And then the third thing, the third thing that he that he points out is that the solution is not to tell Mary to... Um, go and help you. In fact, Mary is doing the right thing. He thinks it's valuable for Martha to know that. That Mary, and we're going to get into exactly what that means, um, but that Mary is choosing the right thing. Mary is choosing what matters. She is choosing the good portion. And so that brings us to our third contrast between the two, and that's the actual choice in this moment. In these short verses, what these two women chose. And so first, let's look at Martha's choice. Martha has chosen to worry about the things of the world, right? That's what it says here. It says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Martha has chosen that when she has this service, she has this job to do, she has this thing to do for Jesus. She has chosen to be worried about accomplishing it. She's chosen to be worried about the future. She's chosen to be distracted by these many things. And not see that the creator of the universe, the savior of the world is sitting in her house. And I think there's a valuable lesson there in the fact that we can be in the presence of Jesus in the presence of worship and be anxious and worried and judgmental. That we can miss it. We can be so distracted that we can miss it. But that that's what she has chose. Any 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 um, the contrast the contrast here is really based on um, so you, so you have chosen, Martha, you have chosen to be anxious and troubled about many things. And here in verse forty two is that but, but one thing is necessary. Look there's many, many things, many things in this world that you could worry about, many things going on, but there's only one thing that is Necessary, and, that, and this is what Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary has chosen the good portion. Now I want you to think about that phrase, good portion, portion. It's, it's talking about food, right? When we talk about portion, right? You talk about portion sizes. Are you talking about um, portion? That, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about food, food. You, she's chosen the good portion of food, the good, the good food. Of all the, the portions of food that are out there, she chose the good one. Now I think that's really, something really neat to think about with that is who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to the serve lady. He's talking to the food lady. The lady who makes the food, the lady who serves people, the lady who makes portions, right? Probably really good food. (laughs) Probably really good portions. And he's saying to her, look, I know you're making food and you're cooking food and you're really thinking about that. But Mary's getting the good food. She's getting the good portion. She's getting the meal that you shouldn't miss, that you're not gonna wanna miss she is getting the food that is going to be around forever, that is going to last forever. And that's, that's, that's Mary's choice, right? The food that, she's, that she is taking of, the, the portion that she's decided to take on, is to be at the feet of Jesus, to listen to him, to hear what he has to say. First Timothy 4.8 says this, says, For while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So Martha is very much focused on this worldly concept, worldly food, worldly um, needs, right? And those things are important and we need those things. This verse says that. But what is of more importance is what Mary is focusing on. Mary is focusing on something that is helpful in this present life and also in the life to come. Something that is eternal, like Jesus says here which will not be taken away from her, right? This is a story about discipleship. This is a story about about what it means to be a disciple of Christ, what it means to be his. And right. even though before this it has the Good Samaritan and how we serve and we love others, Luke wants us to be clear that in your service, even in your ministry, even if you're serving of Jesus, it is possible to not be living for Jesus. But to be anxious and worried for your own things and the own things in this in this world, and not be focusing on what is necessary, and that is Jesus Himself, and so He's trying to make that point by then sharing this story here. And so what I want to do is I want to I want to begin to bring this home a little bit and help us kind of kind of see this because there, you um, might find yourself at this. Man, I feel like I'm a pretty clear, focused person, not, not, not super distracted. I'm a person who, who, who uh, keeps focused. And something about, again, about myself, I'm, I'm uh, a very distracted person. As I've, been pa- as I've been studying this passage, I've been really thinking about how distracted I am and how I can be. And, 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 but I don't think it's just me, right? I don't think it's just me. I think we live in a distracted generation. But I also think we just live in a distracted world and I think it's always been this way. I think Martha, again, 2,000 years ago was distracted and so I think this is a very universal truth. And so I want to do here is I want to look at, let's look at some signs. I got four signs here. Four four maybe symptoms, you might say, of being distracted. Okay, these could be symptoms of other things but there's a good chance they're a symptom of you being distracted and, and, and I want us to be clear on what we're being distracted from. We're being, if you're a believer, if you trust in, if you trust in Christ by faith, um, believe in the gospel, uh, you may be distracted from the teachings of Jesus, from his word, from, from, from the teaching of Jesus, from, from the preaching of Jesus, from the worship of Jesus, from all of these things, you may be distracted. And, and here's some symptoms of that. First one is, you feel alone. You feel alone. You feel like, and, and I don't mean that you're never around people. If you're in this room right now, you're around hundreds of people right? But you feel alone in a room full of people. Because that's how it was with Martha, right? She was in a room full of people, but she felt alone. She felt alone in what she was doing. She felt like she was doing everything by herself. Um, She felt like no one understood her, right? She felt like the the creator of the universe, the Christ himself, didn't even care about her. Right? That's how she felt. She felt alone. She felt isolated. And and, and some kind of symptoms of of that feeling alone, I think, in our our modern worlds, may passive entertainment. Right? We feel alone, so we uh, watch we binge watch things on Netflix, or we play video games for a long time, or we go watch sports on TV, um, passive entertainment like that, or another thing we can do, and we 're very capable to do this in this technological era, is we find people online on YouTube, on social media or in books or whatever it may be that agree with us, and we feel alone with them, <laughs> right. So no one in my life gets me, these people get me, and we get drawn into that. That's, that's one symptom of being distracted from Jesus, and that's that you feel alone. The second is that you have anxiety over things going on in your life. Now, obviously, we all have, have, have lives that have challenges and hard things, and we get anxious and we get worried, Um but that anxiousness is, is, is very much connected to fear and it's very much connected to, and I, I think I see we see here very clearly, distraction, right? We see that Martha was anxious. That's what Jesus said. He says, you are anxious of many things. And that anxiety comes out in many in many ways, right? Not sleeping well at night. There's a lot of physical things, right? Not sleeping well at night, maybe not breathing really well. Uh, we can't not think about these things, The things, these many things that were troubled and way, we can't not think about them, even when we're... Um, playing with our kids or our grandkids or we're hanging out with others what we're actually thinking about in our mind is this is this thing that's just worrying us and driving us crazy right if that's you then it's possible that uh, you are distracted from Jesus symptom number 3 is you place blame on others for your own misfortune you place your blame on others for your own mis- misfortune you you you're angry you're bitter and it's not at yourself. Maybe it's a little bit at yourself. But you're angry at other people. And, and it's really easy for you to see that other people's failings is the reason you feel the way that you feel. And if you're like me, and, 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 and I'm going through these, and you hear these things, I, I believe at least one of them is probably hitting you, right? And this is the one that I think hits, hits me a lot, is when these, these times come, and, and, I'm, and I'm worried, and I'm anxious, I begin to blame other people and, and, I, and, and part of that blame is you don't see other people rightly. Right? Mary was doing the right thing. Mary was doing the, the perfect thing. But Martha saw her wrongly because she was distracted from Jesus. Because she didn't see Jesus clearly, she couldn't love Mary, her sister, correctly or see her correctly. And I, that is a symptom. If that's you, that is a symptom of being distracted from Jesus. And a fourth thing that that I'll add in here is that God's word, worship and fellowship has taken a back burner. If you find that God's word, that prayer, that worshiping and singing, that fellowship with believers, if you if you if you just that is just kind of gone to a back burner and not seems important to, as important to you as other things, that is a symptom that you are distracted from Jesus. That is a symptom that you are distracted from Jesus. I'm not going to end there. <laughs> I'm not going to end with that list because thankfully Jesus does not end with that. Um, so what I want to do here is I want to I cover six things. The first three is I want us to be things that we need to know. Okay. So what we're going to do is, is I want us to figure out Mary, Jesus comes in, and Mary chooses the good portion. Martha, who also loves Jesus, is distracted. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at three things that we need to know in order to choose the good portion and th- three things we need to do in order to um, choose the good portion and, and, and how we do this. And I think, and again, I think this is for believers I think that for those who are trusting and believing in Christ as their Savior. And then um, these are moment-by-moment, day-by-day battles. I believe. And so these truths that we're going to cover I think are truths that we need to everyday preach to ourselves, that we need to know and learn um, and believe with all of our hearts. So three things you need to know in order to choose the good portion. The first thing is that you need Jesus. You need Jesus. And not just that fact, but the fact that you need Jesus above the other things of this world. Matthew 4, four says, But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You need that bread. You need that portion. And I tell you, it's a lot easier to do something when you know you need it, right? When you know you need something, you do a lot more work to try to get it. And so one of the biggest things we need to know, you, you need to know you need it. Just like you need bread to eat, water to drink, and air to breathe. You need the words of Jesus. You need the teachings of Jesus. Number two, and this is very important for number one to happen, and that's that you can come to Jesus. You can come to Jesus. Just like Mary and the tax collectors and the sinners and all these people, they knew they could come to Jesus. You need to know fearlessly that you can come to Jesus. John eleven twenty eight through 30 says this, Come to me, this is Jesus, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Man, this is Martha, this is us, right? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So first you need to know that you need Jesus. You need the teachings of Jesus. You need to sit at Jesus' feet. You need to hear him teaching. Um, and second, you need to know you can, you can come to him. You can come to him um, in intimacy and in closeness and that his yoke is easy. His burden is light. It will be joyful, right? Why don't we do this? Why don't we come to Jesus? Because a lot of times we think it's going to be harder, Right? And, and, and there are some hard things about the Christian's life, some challenges, but the promise here of Jesus is truly that his burden is light, that he is gentle and lowly in heart, that he will love you, that you are hurting and in pain and burdened, and that he will take that from you and he will love you and care for you and he is gentle and lowly in heart. That is the truth of it, that it is the better choice to choose the good portion, to come to the good portion. And the third thing that you need to know is that there is a fight Going on. There is a fight going on for your time and for your attention, and it's not just a worldly fight, it is a spiritual fight. Ephesians 6 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over his present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And this goes back to the screw tape letters, right? Of there is there, 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 is, there is a power out there. There is, there, is, there is evil out there trying to distract you. It's not just you living this life um, neutrally. It is either you are sitting at Jesus' feet or the enemy is trying to pull you away from Jesus' feet. And again, that doesn't always look like being, doing a bunch of evil, bad things. It looks like being distracted. It looks like being distracted. And I think something important to remember is the best way, the best way to lose a fight is to know you're not in one. That's the best way to lose a fight. And so the first step to winning a fight is knowing that you're in a fight. Is knowing that you're in a fight. So those are what we need to know. You need to know that you need Jesus. You need the teaching. As a believer, sometimes we kind of have this this idea that you believe in the gospel and you're saved and you're a Christian and you're good to go. But that is not the picture here. The picture here is that we need Jesus and we need to sit at his feet and we need to learn from him. Through his word, through teaching, through preaching, through the, through the church, through fellowship, through these things, we need to learn from Jesus. And second, you can do that. You can come to Jesus. He calls you to come. He asks for you to come. He died so that you can come to him. And then third, you are in a fight. And then the final um, three, three things of, of, of the six is things we need to do. Um... And one thing that you need to do, and this is connected to what I just said, is you need to see Jesus as not just your Savior, which, again, is super important and huge. That's what we kind of talked about last week, seeing him as the Savior of the world, but also seeing him as your rabbi, as your teacher, as your guide to life, as the person who wants to lead you and loves you and says, Martha, Martha, and knows your heart and speaks to you deeply, and listens to your prayers and, and, and guides you with his word and guides you with his people, with his fellowship, right? And so you need to see Jesus that way. as not just your meal ticket, right? Not just your fire insurance, but as the one who is, you are being a disciple, right? That, that, that's the great commission, right? The call of the church is to make disciples of all nations, right? Not to just make people who are saved, but people who are following after Jesus. Disciples of who? Disciples of Jesus. Right, that is, that is our call. So we need to see that. We need to see Jesus as our teacher. As Mary did, who came right to him and said, teach me. Right at his feet. And we need to do the same. The second is that we need to make the teachings of God's word a priority in our life. One thing is necessary. One thing is necessary, right? There's a lot of things going on. We're busy. We've got a lot going on. But one thing is necessary, and that is the teaching of God's Word, hearing God's Word, um, loving God's Word, being in, in, in intimacy with, with, with God through, through His Word, through prayer. First Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public, the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. A lot of passages I could have picked. I chose that one because it is Paul talking to the leader of a church, saying that the most important thing that you can do for your church is that your church devote themselves to reading scripture, exhortation, and to teaching, right? And so so as a body, as a body of believers, we together study the word. We sing songs of the word. We have fellowship in light of our salvation in Christ. And in those ways, we make that a priority, and that is a challenge, right? That's a challenge in a lot of ways. It's a challenge on on that field, but it's also a challenge on the individual field, right? Because it it also means that we are called to know God's Word, to study it, to read it, to listen to it, to teach it to our children, Um, whatever it may be, whatever we may be. And that, and that that is our call, and so we need to make that a priority. And, uh, I think in order to make something a priority, you have to see how important it is. And that's, again, what is trying to be done here. And I think the best way to see how important something is, and this is is number three of things we need to do, we need to savor God's word. We need to savor the teachings of Jesus. Psalm 119, 103 says this, How sweet are your words to my taste, Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Man, what if that were true about about the worship of Jesus, about the, the, the praying to God, about the, the hearing from his word, about being fellows? What if it was sweet as honey? What if it was delicious to us? And the truth is it can be. It can be. And it is when that happens just, just as Mary did we we can come to the feet of Jesus. And so in, in conclusion, in thinking about all these things and thinking about these concepts, um, Let's think about how, how not to be distracted. Students, we've got a lot of students here. Um, my challenge to you is don't 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 be distracted. Don't be distracted by fear of the future, uh, fear of not fitting in, fear of being alone, fear of not getting things done. Um, don't be distracted by passive entertainment. Don't waste your time here. Don't be distracted. You have four years here, maybe more, maybe less, whatever. Maybe don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. You're going to do a lot of things? Do a lot of things, right? It's a great time to do a lot of things and meet a lot of people and get involved in lots of clubs and groups and things like that. Do that and don't be distracted. Get involved. Get plugged into a a church. Get into the Word. Have fellowship with other believers. Trust in Christ. Do those things. And these same concepts, right, they, they carry over to all of us. Parents, spouses, workers. Don't be distracted, by what you didn't get done today. Don't be distracted by what you need to get done this week. Don't get distracted by what you're not gonna get done tomorrow. Right? Don't get distracted by the relationships and the issues that you can't fix right here and right now. Right? Don't be distracted by your earthly desires for your children. Right? Do not be distracted from um, don't be distracted by, 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 by what you may see as your, your failures, but rather but rather see what is necessary. Take the good portion that is Jesus Christ. Because Luke wrote this long after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So he is speaking to a people that are gathering together as believers, that are being persecuted for their beliefs, that are trusting with all their heart uh, in Jesus and following after him, and even many are dying for it. And he is saying to these people, He's saying to them, sit at the feet of Jesus. Keep, keep, keep choosing the good portion. That's a meal that you're not going to want to miss. And it's a meal that you get the opportunity to take every single day. Let's pray. Father God, we need you. You are necessary. Father, you are the one necessary thing. Our life is filled with many distractions, many hard things. Many choices, um, maybe even in a lot of silly little things too, Father. But Lord, may we not be distracted by those things. May we see and may we know you daily. First, may we believe and trust in you as our Savior, Lord. And in, in that, may we daily come to your feet. May we daily take of the good portion, Lord, the portion that can't be taken away from us. Everything else will fade away, but your good portion will not fade. Lord, we ask for that, Lord, that we may not live lives in anxiety and fear and worry, but lives in joy, joyful worship at the feet of Jesus. Praise the name your name, amen.